Welcome everyone to the latest episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. My name is Steve Whist. I'm joined by my good friend and colleague Jonathan Fadugba for another episode. Uh, Jonathan, how's things going there now with you? Steve, good evening, good morning, good afternoon and to you as well, the listener, wherever you are in the world. Hope you're having a nice uh, time. I'm good and uh, yeah, it's been an interesting week in the in the in our leagues recently hasn't it things are starting to heat up we're uh about 33 percent of the way into the season in in both leagues we're getting towards the summer break in in sweden so yeah i could say we're definitely in the swing of things how are you my friend i'm doing all right thank you jonathan are you having withdrawal symptoms yet from uh some sweden <laughs> from uh, gothenburg you, i know you enjoyed your time over there i'm sure watching that um the gothenburg derby Brought back some uh, recent memories for you, but we'll we're actually going to start with um with with Norway this week. Um, well, yeah, I'm definitely I'm always missing. I'm always having withdrawal symptoms. I keep uh I keep sort of manifesting it and saying, if anyone ever wants to offer me a flat in in Gothenburg, I'm more than happy to move back there. Uh, so yeah, manifesting it again for the millionth time. Um, but yeah, we'll come to that. Of Gothenburg derby, big game. Uh, but we are going to start in Norway, as you've mentioned there, Steve, where uh there's been a cup final and that is the main talking point obviously we've just had a monday round as well um i'll read out the results from that just now buddha glimp five viking one brand three rosenborg one haugerson one tromso two Mulder five uh sandefjord nil another team hitting five two teams hitting five there odd one strums concert one Salzburg three arlison one starbeck two wallerenga one and hamcam nil lillestrom nil uh, and that leaves the table looking, well, pretty good for Budiglup in this moment in time. Uh, They're comfortably top of the league at, at the moment. Uh, played nine and 25 points. They're eight points clear of Brand in second. Uh, and am I right in seeing Salzburg in third? That is crazy. But we'll come to all that. We've got to start with the cup final, Steve. Let's hear your breakdown of it. Obviously, who played? Who won? Tell us all about it. Yeah, well, this is the Nord- officially the Norwegian Cup final of 2022. Um, what we did know, whoever won this cup final between Brann and Lillestrøm, they would be defending their title just four days later with the start of the next Norwegian Cup, which is kind of a bit of a, an anomaly, really. But Brann faced Lillestrøm. Uh, I mentioned on the last episode we did, I actually f- had a lean towards Lillestrøm to beat them. I thought they had the better team. Slightly a bit more experience, uh, but I got it wrong. Bran won 2 0 and, and deservedly so as well. They, they dominated this cup final, really. By far the better team. Um, didn't really surprise me to see Bord Finner get himself on the on the score sheet. Um, yeah, he 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 was just he's been brilliant this season. Um, and it was almost fitting that he got them the second goal. But yeah, from start to finish, they were just the better team. As simple as that. It's one of those where I don't think anyone can really have any complaints about Bran. And what a, what a story, really, because half of this competition, they were actually an Obos Ligaean team. So even though an Elitisarian club has won the league, won the, the cup final, I mean, in, technically, it was half and half, really, wasn't it? So, um, yeah, well done to Bran. For a team that were relegated horrifically on penalties, it was something like 12-11. Um, back in the 2021 season to rebound, have an amazing year in Obos last year, and now win a Norwegian Cup. They're in Europe, the second in the Elite Serien, 
happy days. Yeah, an incredible achievement for for Bran, uh, and especially as you mentioned, there with their their rebuild um, after the uh, well known sex scandal and all that from seasons a couple of seasons ago that we talked about. I remember that, uh, Steve. It's the seventh time they've won the cup. Um, last time they won it was in two thousand and four. So, and the previous time before that was nineteen eighty two. So this is kind of something that only happens every kind of twenty years, roughly. Uh, so a massive achievement for them. Um, their first sort of uh, honors for for quite a while. Obviously, they won the won the second division last season, but in terms of top top level honors, um, it's the first honors since two thousand seven when they won the Elite Serien. Um, so put this into context, Steve, uh, for us, like obviously that means they're going to be in Europe. Um, you know, what does it mean for their fans? You know, they in your preseason preview, you had them in sixth. Are they sort of on track for where you thought they'd be, or maybe even doing a little bit better? I for the first time I'm starting to think I've got it wrong with six. I must say I, I said didn't I in the preseason show? I I didn't really see them getting a medal. But I, I could see them getting the bronze medal because I, I it looks to me now I think Buda Glimp has started so strong they're going to be really hard to catch. And I do think the Mold's overall strength will eventually get them into second place. But third third spot is up for grabs. No, no doubt about it. There's quite a few teams who might be looking at that third spot. Obviously, getting into Europe, though, in some ways might hinder them because we know they've got a small squad. Um, but they've also got a transfer window in the summer that they can reinforce it with. So let's just see what business they do there. Being involved in these European qualifiers can be brutal for teams that are not used to playing, you know, Wednesday or Thursday and then at the weekend. So if they did get an extended run in those qualifiers, it could impact them in, in terms of league position. But for the first time, yeah, I'm starting to think Bran are a medal threat in the Elite Serien. I will admit to that. And sixth place prediction does look does look a couple of notches too low. Yeah, and it's crazy to think that um, just a few days after winning the cup, they, they played another game in the cup, didn't they? They started their, <laughs> their next cup campaign. Four days later, um, they played and won. 5-0 against uh, a team by the name of Freuer. So, yeah. That's, if they got knocked out of short... that, it would have been the, like the shortest ever the short, reign. I was about to say, is that the shortest ever uh, <laughs> cup celebration in history? They get three <laughs> days to enjoy it. Um, and then they go and play a cup and start the cup again. I mean, that, is, that must be, if, you, if anyone knows of a shorter uh, cup success reign in history, then tweet us at Nordic Football or leave a message on YouTube because... That is very, very. Um, they, don't, they don't get much time to celebrate, do they, Steve? Is is Bord Finner? Um, where does he rank in terms of forwards in this in this league? He's the man that everyone's talking about right now. Very highly right now. He's in the form of his life. Um, you know, I, I questioned, didn't I, the last time he was in this league? You know, if we saw that version of him, then he would be quite inconsistent. But it's quite clear. I mean, he's the joint top scorer in the league along with Pellegrino. Bod Finner is just someone who has, he seems to be loving life at Brand right now. He's improved technically, I think, since he was last in this division. He's a better finisher than he ever once was. I don't really know what's happened. It's like going down to Obos and smashing teams and scoring loads of goals has done him the world of good. Um, and he's just transferred it into now playing at the top level. He just He's now much more confident in front of goal and, um, you know, he's got some... I forget his age. He's like 27. Jonathan, you might be able to help me out here. Um, but he's one of those. He, he's sort of maturing 
uh, just the right time for Bran, really. He's got a sort of spearheading their their campaign. He's um, 28. 28, yeah. So, I mean, it's sort of peak period, isn't it, for his, uh, you know, strikers. But uh, if you hear something in the background there, by the way, that is um, actually one of my quails. I've got some pet quails these days. So, you are really like Doctor Doolittle, aren't you? I thought I thought I could hear something. <laughs> I thought it might be a cat, but a quail. Yeah, it's something a bit like. different, mate. Um, but yeah, obviously the quails like Bard Finner, don't they? So um, yeah, even the mate. quails are fans of Bard Finner, the twenty-eight-year-old. Uh, he's doing really, really well at this moment in time. And and so, Brand, just a word on the fans, Steve. What would this mean for the fans? I mean, winning the cup. Massive for them. I mean, I've always compared Bran as like the Liverpool of, of Norway. And you, you know what it's like when, when things are going well on Merseyside, you really hear from their fans. Like you, you, they're, they're really excited and, and, and they kind of build things up to a huge proportion. And this club is really confident right now. The supporters are loving, loving life. And they're the sort of fans that will sometimes get, um, you know, a bit above themselves and dream of really high aspirations, but why not dream sometimes, you know? Why not aim really high? I think Bran, as a club now, can realistically, realistically look at a project where they can compete for the Elitisarian title within the next, you know, two or three years. I mean, this season already, they may well end up finishing second or even having a run at Buda Glimp. They're the only team to get any points off Buda Glimp so far. They nearly beat them. Yeah, Asmira Stadion. Glimp came from 2-0 down to equalise late. So I think it's a it's an era for Brand now. It's it's a new era. And you know, if they did win a gold medal in the next two or three seasons, it wouldn't wouldn't shock me if they now improve on the recruitment, keep the good feeling, the manager. But the fans are really, really getting behind them though. I've never really seen such a good feeling around around this club for a long time. Yeah, Finner's Finner's goal in the cup final well, was excellent. Um, mm. Rolls his man, beats a couple of players. That's a real player on confidence. I mean, that's a, that's a brilliant strike. Um, really looks like a really well attended game as well. Um, just briefly a word on on Lindstrom. Where, where do they go from here in terms of losing a cup? It's always going to hurt. Or, you know, where what will impact will that have on them? I'm gonna, I think probably hopefully talk about them a little bit later in the match against Ham Cam because there was a bit of a hangover in that. I think. I think it was a blow for Lillestrom because I think it's a cup final, which I'm not saying they expected to win, but I think they would have felt they had a decent chance of winning it and getting back into Europe again. And, you know, for them, it's also, it would have been kind of the culmination of, of their own revival in the last three or four years. So disappointment, I think it's one of those finals which would have hurt for them because they, they beat, you know, they beat Buda Glimt in the semi-final to get to this stage. They beat, I think they had they had a tougher run to the final than Bran. It would have maybe felt like it was going to be their year, but yeah, losing that sort of final can 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 knock your confidence, can't it? Most definitely, and also well done to uh, Ola Didrik Blomberg, who scored the first goal in that cup final for for Bran. Player we, we haven't really talked about much, but uh, he got a nice goal as well. So let's move on. Uh, the big talking point this week. I mean, it feels like we've talked about them a lot this season, actually, in their troubles. Uh, but can't avoid them. Massive club in this league. Rosenborg, beaten again. Yeah. Um, this is now getting into a serious situation for Rosenborg. 
They're 11th in the table after nine games. And they've played a game more than most teams around them. So this is just not acceptable, Jonathan. They've lost four of the last five games, just two victories all season. I think the pressure's on Chesil Rekdal. I know you asked me in the last show, you know, what's going to happen with him? Uh, and I said they had to beat Hargerson. They did. They only beat 10-man Hargerson 1-0. It wasn't exactly a convincing win. And then I said that he really needed to come to Bran and get something. And and they've gone and lost 3-1. I think the worst thing about it is that no one's really shocked by this. Bran were heavy favourites to win the game. They got themselves ahead early and doubled the lead just after half time. Blomberg again. He's had a good week, hasn't he? As Blomberg. Uh, then there was a weird period where Rosenborg actually got on top. They were given a penalty. Um, Ingerson missed it. It was a horrendous miss. Um, tame as a teddy bear finish, but it was VAR and uh, the goalkeeper had just slightly come off his line. So Henriksen bagged, uh, took the retake and, and buried it. But yeah, who else? See the win for Brand Bod Finner again, 88th minute. Deserve win for Brand. And my, how the tables have turned. I mean, you know, the last in the last decade, in, in this century, Rosenborg have been well on top of Bran as a club. And it just feels like now, you know, maybe you know it's going in the opposite direction. For himself personally, Eric Hornland would have enjoyed beating Rosenborg after how, you know, things went so badly wrong for him there. They look a mess. And I actually think the club will will fire Chettle Rechdale. I, I think he, I'm not sure he survives this defeat. But they do have a much softer run of fixtures coming up soon, so they've got to make a decision about this manager. I mean, I'm trying to. I'm actually, as you were speaking, as they're trying to find out what division of Norway is Trig Larda, who they beat Rosenborg beat in the cup one nil. I mean, I don't even think they're in the fourth tier, are they? Well, I don't think there are even any odds offered for the game, which suggests that. It was um, a, a, a vast difference in class. I mean, that alone is a worry. I mean, if you look at the Norwegian... To not beat them more than, yeah. by more than one goal. I mean, that, yeah, sorry to interrupt, but I, I can't actually find what division they're in. <laughs> yeah, the I, yeah. if you look at the other Norwegian Cup results, most elite Aryan clubs win very convincingly um, against anyone below the third tier. Um, but yeah, so but that is a big worry, only to win 1-0, isn't it? Um, <laughs> but it just... I've said for a while, offensively, I don't have any faith in them at the moment. And, you know, now defensively, they can't be relied upon either. Rekdal has been a bit unlucky that, obviously, they lost Kasper Tengstedt, a big player for them. And and, and the back end of last season, he, he got them playing some good football. He did. So he does have some credit in the bank. But it's Rosenborg. That credit can run out very, very quickly if you're not... If you're down in 11th place with nine points after nine games. It's just not acceptable. They've got Hamcam at home next. That's a must-win game. Nothing less than a win's acceptable, whoever's in charge. Um, maybe they'll give him that game. But he's getting to the, he's getting into a period now where every single fixture is a must-win for them. Um, otherwise, he could lose his job. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm more interested to find out what division Trig Larder in. I'm on their website. I've gone on... <laughs> The Norwegian Football Federation's website. I can't find uh, with a quick Google search, like I say, it, what, what league they're well, in. Well, obviously, they're in quite a low league, aren't they? <laughs> it's not even a league table on their website. So <laughs> clearly, they're not that high. So to only lose one, to only beat what them one is 
extremely worrying times for, for Rosenborg. I mean, we have covered them in terms of the manager and, and the potential that he p- could could lose his job. They've got some some pretty tricky fixtures coming up as well. Um, you know, it's not... There, not is, a, there is a cup match actually coming up this midweek. They've got Sturdle's blink away. I mean, just say they lost that. That really would be the final straw, I think, wouldn't it? Yeah, and we have a question from... Uh, well, we have a couple of questions, actually. Um, Odin's creation, Odin's creation, Dr. John Porkenheimer is his new alias. He says, where will RBK finish? Um, and obviously, we had a question from Barisha Show. Uh, Showtime Barisha, loyal friend of the pod. Um, I don't really want to ask you this because I don't think it's fair on the current manager saying who's going to replace Rekdal. So we'll save that for another week. But where do you think they will finish, Steve? Um, God, where did I have them in this preseason? Predict I have them third. I think I did, didn't I? Maybe fourth. Um, but it's, it's not going to be that high now. They're just, they're already too, they've dropped so many points. Maybe they could get into the top six still. I mean, it's still a decent squad here. They've got resources. They can, you know, they've got money from that 10 step transfer in the summer. They can reinforce the squad. So I'd be surprised if they don't make it into the top six. You know, into Rekdal, what would I do myself personally with him? I don't know. I, He's certainly not well, one of them. Let's, let's not let's not talk about Rekdal. Well, true. no, I do, I do want I, I do want to give an opinion because I, it's one of those where I, I will tell it straight if I personally believe a manager should get a fight. There's no way. I personally have strong feelings that he should go because I think he's done plenty of good things for the club. And and in, in terms of his career in the last few years, did very well at Ham Camp. So I think there's arguments either way. But it's one of those where just the, because they're such a big club and the results are not there, that's why there's so much talk about it. But where, you know, a manager can be responsible, but where is... You know, the manager doesn't go out on the pitch and play against the what is no, it? He 50 doesn't, no, he doesn't. Fifth tier team, sixth tier team in Norway in a cup, and would beat them one nil. So, you said there they've got the tank money. What, what, what can they do with it? What do they need in 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 the win, in the summer window? Where, where do they actually need to strengthen? What key area? Because it can't just yeah. be on the manager. No, it's it's not. No, I think they. And your prediction was fourth, by the way. I think well, at least it's not third. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at this squad now, and I think fundamentally, at the moment, the players that they bought in in the winter transfer window have not worked out yet. Like to Jaden Nelson, Isaac Schneer, Thorvaldson. I know he's been injured a bit. Oscar Arga has not done much, you know, half a million pound there. Sadiku came in from Hong Kong. He's been on the bench all the time. Biolo was really good for Hamcam last year. He's been in and out of the team so far. So at the, the, the moment, you know, you could say the transfers have not flopped, but they just haven't really added enough to the first team 11. Um, if they were going to bring people in, I think they need to look. They need to get in a proven number nine scorer. But now the squad's kind of loaded with these attackers that are kind of all of very similar. So, I don't know, mate. I think it's it's a tricky situation for Rosenborg. Um, I mean, you could just say they could look at reinforcing all areas if they believe they've got a better quality player that could come in. Yeah, and you know something interesting? Uh, mm. Still on this trig. <laughs> still trying to find out what, where Trig Lada. Apparently, <laughs> do you remember Bjorn Tawakavami? No. Former Liverpool player and Rosenborg. Oh, player. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's 50 yeah. years old now. He's retired. Obviously, remember he played for Liverpool, played for San Etienne. 
uh, Real Sociedad. I think he was a he was a centre back, I think, or a defender. Apparently, according to this website, footballdata.no, uh, Bjorn Torquvama is a trainer for the girls under twelves at Triglada. I don't know if that's true, but I'm gonna have to email him probably and ask him if he's got his email address here. So I might have to email him and say, what division is this team in? Um, but yeah, the point is, if they can't even beat this team, then Rosenborg must be in real, real trouble. It sounds like they've got a lot of work to do in the transfer window, as you mentioned. Their signing's not paying off, uh, not going well for them at this moment in time. Did you actually give a predicted finish? You uh, I'll say sixth. I'll say sixth now. Okay. Um, sixth yeah, is fine. We'll stick to that. Sixth it is from fourth to sixth. So, you know, who knows? Let's see if they can improve their fortunes. But as it stands, well, they're not even in the top 10. So uh, let's see if they can pick up their form. They're going to have a lot of work to do if, if the manager is going to keep his job, as you've mentioned. Uh, let's move on to another team, another talking point here. And that is um, VAR. Well, it's not a team, is it? VAR. I actually sighed as I read that on, on the itinerary. <laughs> Go on, VAR. Let's hear it. Well, yeah, every week. I mean, I, I watch this game, um, local derby match, Starbeck against Volarenga. Starbeck have ended up winning this game with nine men. Um, there was two red cards, and they were both done by VAR. Now, the first red was on, I think it was Krogstad. Starbeck actually uh, led 2-0 in this game, by the way. Casper Watts-Ho, um, who's on the 10-to-watch list this year, uh, another goal for him, um, quite impressive. And then Mushaka Bakenga, one of our favourite players on the on the Nordic Football Podcast, pops up with a controversial second goal, which also went to VAR. I, th- I actually thought that should have been disallowed um, because it did hit his hand. I, I actually, I don't even know what is the law now. I thought if if the if the goal score if it hits his hand in any fashion, the goal has to be disallowed. Um, if you ever do have a chance to take a look at Bakenga's goal, I thought it should have been chalked off, but it was given anyway. Um, and then say Krogstad was given a yellow card, which was upgraded to red, 51st minute. And I mean, I looked at this one. It's one of those that I predicted pre-season. You're going to see quite a few of these in Norway this year where, you know, back in the day that you wouldn't really moan at a yellow card in Norway for it. But sort of globally in the mainstream leagues, they're trying to upgrade these tackles to red now. So it's one of those where 50-50. And then 82nd minute, there was another red given for a handball and a penalty was awarded to, to Pachanik. I thought this was harsh for a red card, I must say. Uh, I'm not going to moan at the... It was a penalty, yeah, but I, it wasn't a red card for me. Um, the worst of it was, it. it I, I think it denied Isaac Pettersson an unbelievable save to st- statistic. Um, it, it, if you look at the, the, the build-up to this penalty, Pettersson made an unbelievable save after the handball. One of the best I've seen. And he, I tweeted something at the, around the time. How much a ridiculous signing Isaac Pettersson is for Starbeck. He's far too good for a club like this. He should be at a much bigger team uh, because he keeps making some brilliant saves. But um, the penalty was converted. So Volarenga played the last 10 minutes, if you include like injury time, against nine men, but they couldn't get an equaliser. So really poor from Vol- Volarenga. I wasn't impressed with them in this game. But in terms of the, the VAR... VAR had a big impact on this game, no doubt about it. What's your argument about Bakenga's goal? You're saying that maybe... Well, I actually thought it, it definitely hits his hand. Mm. I know is I know there's it, not much he could do about it, but 
I, I thought the law was if a goal scorer, if it hits the goal scorer's hand at any point, then it, it should be chalked off. It, it took them about five minutes to make a decision on this, by the way. It's quite a long wait. Uh, I was I was convinced it was going to be chalked off, but it was given. Um, but uh, Yeah, to me, it looks like a hand, but I haven't seen the slow motions and stuff. But on first instinct, that does look like a If it was it, Premier League, I think that would be given as a handball. Maybe. Suspicious, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, well, I mean... <sighs> Sometimes I just get fed up with talking about VAR, really. Well, let's talk about the football then, because Starbeck, good win. <laughs> but yeah, that's good. what I was going to say. Starbeck are sit up to sick. Um, and Wallerenga, ninth. I mean, yeah, what, what what's the story there with Starbeck, with these two teams? What's the story there? I mean, they're big rivals, two teams in the Oslo region. Uh, it's not as big as Lillestrom, Wallerenga, but uh, uh, actually, Lillestrom, Starbeck next week. So he's like of a triangle of rivalries down there. But uh, I mean, I. I, I expected Volowinga to probably win this game, you know. They're the better team on paper, squad. They didn't show up in the first half at all, though. I thought Starbeck wanted it more and played some decent football at times. Volowinga just seemed to lack the physical qualities to compete. Um, I think their fans would be really disappointed with this display. Um, they didn't even really look like getting back into the game against 10 men. Uh, obviously, they were gifted that penalty, and then they couldn't even equalise against nine. And didn't really—I mean, they didn't really look like equalising to me. You just kind of knew one of those where, yeah, Pettersson did make some good saves at times, but uh, I mean, only three on target in the whole match. Although the, the best save, I don't think, was registered as a as a shot on on, on goal, unfortunately, because it would have been reverted back to the foul. But um, very poor from Volering. I'd be interested to hear what their fans think about their season so far, because it isn't really, they're very up and down. They're so inconsistent. You don't know which version of them is going to show up, but I'm a bit concerned that they're, they're showing some real weak mentality in the big fixtures in the matches against their, their key rivals. Yeah. I mean, there's two players in your, in your turn to watch the season that play in this game. I'm not going to, I'm not going to name both. Uh, if you want to know both and go to patreon.com slash Nordic football podcast, we're going to talk about one of our 20 players selected this season's already left the league. Uh, we didn't do seem to have a bit of a knack for picking out these talents, Steve. Um, I won't name both, but what's that you mentioned there, his goal seventh minute, just kind of a uh, creaked in back post sort of poachers goal. Really? He wears a, he curiously wears number 69 on his shirt. I'm not entirely sure why <laughs> he's 22, 23 years old now. So it's not as if he's, you know, um, a youngster that's just broken into the squad. So I don't know if that's some sort of in joke, Um but what can you tell us about this player? Because, you know, he's in your tent to watch. I don't want to give too much away on that if you want to go and watch the full show. But just give us, a you know, an inkling as to why you selected him and what you like about him. He just looks a massive physical handful. I think I'm going to compare him to Darwin Nunez a bit, actually, in terms of his physique and build. And I feel like so if you're not in the mood to deal with that sort of tall physical player, it's not much fun on a football field, is it? It really isn't. Um, he can win headers, but he's one of those players that he's not just you know a big donkey who can. He's all about physical. He does have that technical ability as well, and he's starting to improve his positional uh, skills. Bagged a few goals now this year. Um, you know, a lot of people when when the signings were made, Bakenga and and Casper Watso up front. Bakenga was what everyone was talking about, the proven scorer at this level, but. Uh, you know, Watso is on loan, of course, from one of the Danish teams. So he's not Starbucks player. 
Um, but it was. It looks like he's going to be a really good addition for them this season, and he's he's buying into the club philosophy. He looks up for it, and um, like it's just one of just an absolute nightmare of a handful to deal with as a defender. And if you if you're not careful, that sort of player can get on top of you. Yeah, and uh, I'm looking at your ten to watch now, and I can say that some of the players on this list are doing pretty well this season. So if you haven't listened to it yet, uh, Patreon.com/slash/NordicFootballPodcast are um, What's the word? What's the way of describing it? It's kind of like our uh, showpiece occasion of the of the season, one of the many ways, as well as the season preview. Um, I think so far, Steve, our 20 are doing pretty well this year. So uh, if you're a scout, if you enjoyed knowing the next big players from these regions, I'm sure you will enjoy that. So check it out on Patreon. And Warto is one of them. Yeah, he definitely gave me Andy Carroll vibes. And the celebration he pulled out as well was quite an interesting one. So um, yeah, if anyone knows why he wears number 69 in his back, I'd be curious to know that as well. Tweet us at Nordic Footpod or um, email us or, of course, um, YouTube. Let us know. Um, Steve, we've got to talk about Glimpt before we move on to our final talking point of Lillestrom, who we touched on uh, earlier. I mean, they're sort of running away with this league, aren't they, at the moment, really? Eight points clear already. Uh, yeah, absolutely incredible. I mean, I watched this game against Viking. Um, five goals to one they won. Now, they do have moments where the opposition can score on them. I think Viking deserved a goal, maybe deserved a second goal, but I mean, at times I'm watching Glimp today and it they just look like they could score at will. You know, there, there were some a lot of other big chances missed. It could have been eight or nine. They just, they this free-flowing attacking football. Offensively, they look unstoppable right now. They really, it reminds me of 2021, 20, 2020, where no one had an answer for their offensive firepower. And um, they're just such a well-oiled machine again. I mean, Patrick Berg back in, in the middle of the park, I think makes a big difference. You know, he's such a good, great player. He's got a fantastic goal in this game as well. He's not known for his scoring that many goals, but when he does score, he tends to absolutely have galazzos. Um, you know, Pemi Mumbanya up front is becoming the striker that they need. Pellegrino is is a bit of quality. And then Vuka actually had a, a decent game. He's not statistically had a great year, so far, but he bragged himself a couple of goals. I thought he was probably the man of the match, actually. S.A. Lorient, enjoying what they were seeing there. He's obviously going to be moving. Uh, he's on loan there until uh, the end of June, and then he'll be hopefully tearing up Liga from August onwards. But, um, yeah, they look really good. And I think if they can just keep continue sort of being this express train until the European qualifiers start, I think the whole idea is to try and get this league out of sight so they're uncatchable. They've been fortunate that Mulder, realistically, their biggest challenges have dropped a lot of points already. But this is an express train. that It's like a dog on that you can't control um, at all. They're, they're a hell of a team right now. Yeah, interestingly enough, just looking at the stats from our partners at Wisecout, um, they're not top of the league for XG or possession. Funnily enough, mm-hmm. top of the possession league is Bran, um, surprisingly with 61% roughly. And uh, top of the XG league is Molder, who we haven't talked about, but they are currently um, not doing too well. Seventh in the league, your preseason um, title predicted team. Um, but but glimpse of the ones who have scored the most goals, 26 goals by miles more than anyone else at the moment. Um, Molder scored 20, of course. D- do you think they have changed their style slightly? I mean, it seems like a lot of their goals are, it seems like they're very clinical. Do you know what I mean? I feel like they've, have they evolved slightly into sort of more of a, I don't know, Klopp Liverpool sort of team from maybe more of a possession team? Or is that an inaccurate statement? 
Yeah, I noticed that their possession stats were not as high this year. And I they have been looking at way that I think they've let the opposition try to play a bit of football whenever they can and then hit, hit them dangerously on the break. Um, so, yeah, they do seem to adapt year on year. I, I said, didn't I, the last, you know, certainly last year, they struggled to break down sides, didn't they, that have this low block and stuff. I think they found ways to tease teams out of doing that. But there's not many teams in Elite Serian who are amazing defensively. You know what I mean? And I really, I think the makeup of the league this season does suit Budaglim a bit more. Uh, because there's just not many teams. The only way, really, you can beat a team like this when they're, they're this good is, is is to fight fire with fire and outscore them in a shootout. But they want to suck you into a shootout. You know what I mean? I don't think there's many teams that are capable of just defending really stoutly against them and frustrating them, uh, keeping a clean sheet and then you know beating them one nil or something. I just don't think there's in, the, the qualities there to do that. So it, it will take a team like Mulder, you know. Who, who brand nearly beat them because they've got offensive firepower that can fight back at the other end. You see where I'm coming from. Um, so, yeah, at the moment, it, the, just the league setup makeup is really suiting them perfectly. And yeah, I think there has been a little bit of a tweak of, of the style of it. Yeah, <clears throat> I have to say they 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 kind of they give me hacking vibes actually this season. They're, they're very me fast, as well. Fast, fast transitions, um, quite a physical team as well now. A bit more. Not as laboured, I think, in possession, maybe a little bit more sort of straight to the point, if you know what I mean. Um, so maybe there's some sort of evolution there, and that's the that's the impression I get. Uh, Steve, you've got three minutes to talk about Ham Cam Nil, Lillestrom Nil, and also I'm going to start you with a curveball. So three minutes combined here. Uh, what are Sarpsborg doing in third place with ten goals scored in eight games? Oh, I'm going to have to pass on the Sarpsborg one because I've not seen an awful lot of their football recently, but. They're another team that have completely evolved their style this year from what was high press, high energy, frantic football to a bit more control this year. If you look at this, there is a the manager, Stefan Bilborn's done really well, I think, to, to change things up. But I did want to talk about Lillestrom against Ham Cam. It ended 0-0. This was a match which a few people were asking me about because it didn't go as predicted. We all thought this was going to be a high-scoring game um, and probably Lillestrom winning it because Ham Cam had conceded six goal, 16 goals in the last four games. Um, and you know, to keep a clean sheet against this Lillestrom attack was was really surprising. I, I do struggle to predict Ham Cam. I must say, since they've come into the league, I, I never get them right that often. Uh, I never saw. I didn't really see them putting up that much resistance here. And really, the I think it was the first twenty five minutes where Lillestrom missed their chance. You know, against a team that's vulnerable, the confidence wasn't there. It looked a matter of time before they break through, but because they didn't take their chances or they weren't as clinical. They didn't show enough of the quality. You know, I think Hamcam started to believe, you know, we can compete now. And I think from like the half an hour mark onward, it was quite an even game. Hamcam actually had the best chance of the game. I think it was Udal in the like the 70th minute. It was a massive chance. It was a free header about five yards out and he missed. So they could have been walking away with all three points. But um, Lillestrom, the problem Lillestrom have sometimes, if they're physical attributes in the game are not bullying the opposition. They do lack a little bit of quality, you know, on the ball, technical quality. Jermon Asen aside, there's just not enough of it at times where there's a bit of magic that can happen. So I think they'll be disappointed. There was definitely a hangover feel from the cup final loss. That is that if you want to be competing for medals, you can't be drawing against Ham Cam. You know, you just can't be. So 
I think poor result for them. Good one for Hamcam. That 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 clean sheet will do in the world of good after conceding so many goals. So fair play to them. And and they dealt with Lillestrom pretty well. I mean, Lillestrom's XG overall was only about 0.7. So good result for Hamcam. Perfect. That'll do for part one. Uh, thank you very much, Mr. Meatman. Um, we will be back in part two, and then we're going to talk about Sweden. Welcome back to the Nordic Football Podcast with Steve Wiss and Jonathan Verdugba. We're going to talk about the Alsvenskan now and round number 10 is uh, is complete. We're a third of the way, officially a third of the way through the season. That's going to read through the results. Uh, Mialbi nil, Halmstad 2, Bromma Poikana 1, Sirius 2, Kalmar with a 2-1 win against Norshipping, Elsborg 3, Malmo nil. Eurogarden one, Aikor nil, Hammerby nil, Varnamo two, Hecken four, uh, EFK Jotherburg one, and then Degerfors one, Varberg one. Some eye-catching results from this round, no doubt about it whatsoever. And uh, only one place to start, really, and that's at the top of the table, where we have a new leader, Elfsborg beating Malmo three goals to nil to go joint level on points, 25 points, with a better goal difference i mean not many people saw this one coming jonathan did they yeah not many people saw this coming <clears throat> including myself uh did not see this at all um and i don't think anyone's seen Elfball coming in general uh top of all Svenskan now which is remarkable really uh and i mean i know they're joint top in terms of points but they have a better goal difference they've actually scored more goals than malmo this season everyone sort of um, big enough Malmo for how well they've done. Well, um, they've uh, Elfsborg have scored more goals and conceded fewer. So really, we really have to start talking about Elfsborg and taking them seriously. Um, <clears throat> I thought Elf, I thought Malmo on the day were quite poor. Um, just seemed to be gone a bit flat. And I wonder if um, the, the obviously the news that's come out that that uh, Hugo Larsson is leaving the club uh, for a Allsvenskan transfer record fee. I just wondered if that because that was announced. Um, on the day of the game, pretty much. Uh, I think it was a sort of um, Fabrizio Romano special. Here we go. And uh, it's since filtered through, of course, and been confirmed. And today it was announced. But obviously he 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 kind of confirmed it before the game started, pretty much. So I don't know if maybe that was a bit of a distraction. Um, shouldn't be. I mean, he did start the game, but still. Um, just just felt like Malmo a little bit just distracted and out of joints, really. Uh, really good start from Elsborg. I've always often thought this season so far that Elsborg are a better second half team than they are first half team. They tend to sort of like be quite slow um, and then improve in the second half. But this this was completely different. They were really uh, on it from the first whistle, really. Um, of course, Lagerbilka scored uh, the centre-back. Svingen uh, Jonsson got a goal as well. And then they, they wrapped it up with a, a third goal. And um, yeah, it's Malmo's first defeat of the season. I mean, one thing I've noticed with Elfsborg is the goals really do get spread around the team so much. It feels like everyone's capable of hitting the back of the net. You know, the strikers, the wingers, full-backs obviously get chip in occasionally as well. Johan Larsson, one of your favourites, uh, scored the other week, didn't he? Um, but, I mean, it's a stunning run of of wins in a row now for, for Elfsborg. Um, 
of course they did finish second silver medal. I think it was the 2020 COVID season, wasn't it? So they, you know, they had, do have some experience of, of being up there as such. But uh, I mean, I guess we've got to ask the question now: Are they a serious title challenger, Jonathan? Can you see them lasting the pace in, in, in a title battle? From my point of view, I don't think they win the league. But then again, I have been guilty of underestimating Elfsborg at times um, in recent seasons. Uh, they've never been a team that have really been massively on my radar. And I think that, uh, yeah, I, I think that um, we, you, with 10 games gone now, we, you know, we're 30% of the way through the season. I don't think you can write them off at this moment in time. They, 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 as I said, they're strong defensively. You know, if you actually look at their back line, Holman, Lagerbilke, Holt and Larson, that's a really strong defensive line, to be fair to them. Um, and that explains why they've got a relatively decent, uh, well, the best the best defensive record in Osvenskan so far. I then thought to myself, they they have quite easy, they've had quite easy games. If you look at their recent run of fixtures, um, you know, they've won their last seven in a row. They've won eight in a row, Steve, sorry. Um, since they lost at home to Hacken on the first day of the season and drew with Varberg away. They've won eight in a row. But my feeling was maybe this is a bit of a false uh, false dawn because they played Bromma Poikina, Degafors, Mialbi, Halmstad, Sirius, Varnamo, and then Norshopping, literally pretty much the best run you could have in this league. And I thought, well, yeah, good seven wins, but they're playing Malmo now and their run's about to come to an end. Completely blown Malmo away, really. Um, maybe mitigating circumstances, like I say, for Malmo, I think it was a bit of an off day. Uh, you know, Nielsen described it, uh, the Malmo player Nielsen described it as just like a really bad day for them. Ridstrom said it was a terrible first half. He was really angry at halftime. Um, and, uh, you know, it's been described in the media and things like that, like a bit of a wake-up call for them, really. But you've got to hold your hands up and say that this Elfborg team is capable of of, of of challenging bigger teams. I mean, the the comeback win against Norshipping as well, I think, was a, was a, was a great sign of their resilience. You know, they, they've shown a propensity to come from behind uh, there. Obviously, they're 1-0 down and 1-2-1 with a sort of 85th minute winner. They did the same against uh, Sirius away. Um, they were sort of 2-1 down, um, then 3-2 down and came back to win 4-3 uh, with two two late goals, 87th minute and 89th minute. So, you know, they're ticking all the boxes at this moment in time. They can, they can beat teams comfortably. They beat Brooklyn in a 5-0. They beat Halfstad 6-1. Uh, as you said, there they've got a good diversity of goal scorers. It's not like they've got one man where if they can stop, if you stop him, you can stop the team. You know they're getting contributions from all areas of the pitch. You know there's literally, I think, every single player in a team more or less has, has got a goal this season. Um, if you run through their sort of first eleven, and if you're not getting goals, they're assisting. You know Rome was Rome was contributed with goals. Kasem uh, came into the team, um, the youngster, and he, you know, the 19 year old, he got an assist against uh against Malmo. Um, you know, they get injuries to players but they can replace them. So uh, you know, Yepi Ockles came in and got a good goal. Um Ben Hartson of course has done well, but he he, you know, he's um he had to set for a place not even in the team. I think he might have had an injury knock, but uh he didn't play and he's a he's a player who can contribute. So really um they're ticking all the boxes. I still think they lack a sort of top level goal scorer. But you know good Johnson if he can if he can contribute with sort of ten maybe 10 to 15 goals, he's already got four. Maybe you could say that they don't don't need a top sort of striker. So, listen, the next three games, they've got Jurgarden at home, AIK away, and then Hammerby at home. I'd say it's a tough run of fixtures, but given the way these Stockholm teams are playing this season, it, it, maybe it might not be. 
So I definitely think that heading into the summer break, we have to consider Elfsborg title contenders. Yeah, fair play to them. I've got to say, it's uh, they've come out of nowhere. We never expected this, did we? Malmo looked like they were going to be running away with this league, and now they've dropped points in two straight games. Still a very, very strong start, though, for, for Malmo. Eight wins out of ten. But this um, Hugo Larson transfer, I mean, tell us a bit more about this. Because, we, I mean, we've talked off-air about this guy, I think even on-air as well. I don't think we ever re- did we did you ever really see it coming this early? I mean, it was one of those where we were thinking, yeah, we'll get a full season out of him, surely at least. But uh, he's moving on very, very quickly. Yeah, definitely. Um, he's moving on quickly, but that's that's the nature of the beast. Mm. Uh, we revealed one of your tend to watches. It's no no a secret anymore. He was on my tend to watch. Obviously, the first player to get a big money transfer. Um, the reports all reports point to the fact that he's broken the Osvenskan uh, transfer record. That's how Malmo reported it anyway. Um, it broke on Sunday, as I mentioned. It's 132 million Swedish kroners, um, which is about I think 11 million. Euros that is a lot of money for an 18 year old who was recently pictured on a push bike getting a lift home after a game. Uh, just basically a little, you know, a kid. Basically, you know, sometimes the figures that were thrown around and the hype that we put on these people, you know, he's just an 18 year old kid at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, he's a he's a talent, that's for sure. He's been watched by so many teams. Um, I think there was talks about maybe Dortmund looking at him as well. Um, he's going to move there till 2028. Um, it's been coming, obviously, Bournemouth wanted to sign him and loan him out to Lorient, their, their sort of sister club now, um, with that whole takeover. But um, he, he, he's come out and said, you know, I came here as a 12-year-old with big dreams um, and I've now actually been a part of, of the team um, and I'm incredibly grateful for the coaches and teammates who have supported me uh, and it's good money for the whole club. I think he's got a good uh, level head on, you know, on his shoulders, turned down Bournemouth, as I said. Um, I think he's quite mature and intelligent in that sense I'd like to think he's not going to be one that sort of does six months and ends up back in those fences and I think he's got a very bright future ahead of him I, I could see him I mean Bundesliga is a step up so I think he'll he may need some time to adapt he may have a lo- loan but I could set, certainly see him um, you know playing in the Bundesliga I think he's of the level uh, and maybe even going on from there um, you know he's already he's only 18 he's played nearly 60 games for Malmö Steve so he's already got a good body of experience it's not like he's just been broken through um 60 games is a good two seasons pretty much more or less so he's, he's done his time in a way um he will leave obviously when the, when the summer break comes out i would like to have seen him for a bit longer if i'm being honest um but you know the the sports director danny anderson said we wish him uh, luck in europe and we'll keep in contact with the hope of welcoming him back again one day so yeah massive transfer and um fair play yeah, good luck um, to Hugo Larson, and uh, it looks like a very intriguing uh, title battle. We'll be talking about Hecken a bit later in the show, but we um, we must move on now to to Stockholm um, because there was a big, big game, uh, derby game between Jorgarn and Aikor on at the weekend. Now, I was actually I advised someone um, someone was asking me about this game because they wanted to bet. On your garden, they, they were saying that I course form is so poor. What do you think about the game, Steve? And I said, well, one thing you just never do, never ever back your garden to win a Stockholm derby. They're useless in them. But 
I mean, this is a very, very rare win for them against Icor. Icor normally beat them, I think, five in a row. But it's ended 1-0 to your garden fair play to them. But really, the big talking point has been, well, off the field with crowd trouble. I mean, I saw some of the tweets you were, you were posting up there, Jonathan. Um, I mean, there's plenty to discuss here. Tell us about the, the, the drama of this uh, Stockholm derby. Yeah, crazy game. And, you know, there's been uh, repercussions already. It's, I think this is going to rumble on. But, um, I mean, essentially, AIK fans were one nil down and there was two red cards. There was an incident with two red, two late red cards, um, Otieno and Beyonce, I think. And uh, basically after that, AIK fans decided they'd seen enough and started launching um, lit flares onto the pitch. There was an incident in the second half, Steve, early in the second half, where I genuinely looking at the back of like the AIK fan section uh, with the plumes of black smoke and the lit flares. I honestly was thinking to myself, like, I'm not sure if I'd actually like to be in that way because I was wondering how, how do you even breathe? I was like, look, there's so much thick smoke. I was thinking, and, and you could, you know, watching it on TV, you couldn't even see the pitch really for about five minutes. Um, this, that's kind of like a trend in Stockholm derbies, but this, this one was really like thick. I thought it was quite thick smoke. And I was, even before this incident broke out, I was thinking that is quite, I personally thought that felt that like that was quite dangerous um, for the fans in that in that section because it's all well and good if you're you know um, the one lighting the flares, but if you have any breathing issues or anything like that, like it did really look like thick, proper thick black smoke that you wouldn't you know want to breathe in too much. Um, but yeah, basically, as soon as the red cards came in for Bjornstrom and Otieno in the 90th minute, AK fans decided they'd seen enough, launched all those lit flares onto the pitch on mass. It was like raining down onto the onto the terraces. Uh, onto the onto the pitch, sorry, um, and then from there, pretty much the game just broke and all hell broke loose. Um, there was flares everywhere. The stadium was on fire at one point. Um, seats, you know, the police stormed onto the. Pe- there was one scene with Steve where it was like Robocop or something. Uh, fans charging, sorry, the police charging towards the ARK away end. Uh, fights broke out between the police and the fa- ARK fans. The match was abandoned for about an hour, um, with about a few minutes left to play. They then eventually got back and played the last sort of five minutes of stoppage time, whatever it was remaining. Um, they had to warm up again. The, fact, the players had to warm up again. But really, it's it's shameful scenes. I think um, the Eurogarden sporting director came out and said that he would be ashamed of it if it was um, the Eurogarden had done this. Um, it's not the first time. We've seen in the last .com derby last season where f- fans, um, I think it was the Eurogarden Hammerby game, fans were chucking flares into into each other's sections. It's, it's quite dangerous. And... I think at some point, Steve, someone could get seriously hurt. Um, I'm all for flares. I'm all for like the derby sort of um, the derby fun and like the spirit of it and the flares. I'm not. I'm not someone who thinks that there should be no pyrotechnics and that kind of thing. I know they are trying to clamp down massively police on the on the pyrotechnics, um, but I think that level of smoke and just that kind of aggression in terms of chucking it at other fans and stuff, it, it risks injuring someone in a serious way and like i said even the even the um the, just the sheer amount of smoke i think that's i mean I the stadium think, was actually on fire in, in technically well i didn't you know I'd, that's yeah parts of the stadium were fine the I mean, seat you, yeah you can go on nordic football podcast twitter and look at the picture from the stadium there's a, there's a section of the stadium that's literally on fire but you know it's not like a major fire that's going to bring the house down but it's good it's still the, the stadium has to be evacuated steve like they had to um get rid of certain sections of the crowd uh, to put the fire out, they like I say, police fighting the fans. Um, serious incident, and the game's been the game nearly got abandoned. So it only, they only completed it pretty much because there was only a few minutes left. But 
if this is going to be the reaction to the teams losing at Stockholm Derby, we're going to we're, we're in this. I feel like we're in this situation a couple of times a season where it gets a little bit out of hand with the smoke and the flares. Um, and I think that there's going to we're not going. To, this isn't going to be the last we hear of this. I think I think this could rumble on. It's been. Um, I think it's there's a wide acknowledgement that this is not really acceptable um, in Swedish football. Yeah, this is, seems to be happening far too much, and it's always in these Stockholm derbies. And um, you know, I saw something recently in the Dutch league. I think it was Feyenoord, Ajax, and those clubs are literally on the last warnings. So apparently, if it happens again in in those fixtures, the the Dutch FA have said right, the, the fixtures are banned there and then, and and there'll be repercussions for the the offenders. You know, are we getting to the stage where it needs to be almost zero tolerance? I don't know, because uh, it, it did look. It's like, you know, as soon as a team's fans is not happy about what's going on, you know, they're spitting their dummy out and they just, you know, it, it, there's a line and it's just gone far too over it now, to be honest. It's not acceptable. Uh, shameful scenes, like you say. Um, I mean, on the field itself, a 1-0 win for your garden. I mean, just looking at the statistics, I can see why the IK fans were so frustrated because that, according to Flash Score anyway, they had just two attempts in the whole match with none on target. I mean, that's shameful in a derby. Um, they normally beat your garden, like I said. This has got probably their worst performance against them in a long time. I think Core have got some serious problems, haven't they? They have serious problems, yeah. They there's serious conversations about could they actually get relegated? Um, I don't think they will, but those that's that's the extent of it. Um, there was an extraordinary board meeting called uh, after the game. So, um, you know, they are currently in the relegation zone, of course, uh, and they've won one game out of 10. So at a certain point, you have to stand up and say, yeah, this is this is getting serious. And I guess that point is now. Um, yeah, as I said, there's 11 people on the board at AIK and they've decided they're going to have an, an extraordinary board meeting. That's been confirmed by Chairman Robert Falk. Um, I think that Brandstrom's job is in serious jeopardy. I've already said that. Um, I think I said it in the second podcast. You said from from the first match, to be fair, you've called this one. Um, you know, call it a six cents early doors, whatever. You, you kind of knew. And I think we all know where it's going to head. I mean, this manager's not going to keep his job for much longer, is he? It just, it just feels like he's maybe the wrong fit of manager for the, for the, for, for the club of this stature. Yeah, I mean, like I say, I called it uh, early on. He had a bit of a, just a bit of a haunted look about him, I think, in the early games when they lost at um, the beginning of the season. And I'm not sort of hinting that the job's too big for him, but I, I think he's walked into a bit of a trap here in terms of like the level of players they bought. Maybe did he have the say in some of the recruitment? I already mentioned, I've already said that about the recruitment just seems to be there's a lot of question marks with AAK this season in terms of who's who's doing the recruitment, what are the incentives, are these incentives above board, payments to agents, things like that, some of the signings they've made that have been questioned in terms of like who actually decided on them and is there something underhand going on? Um, the new sporting director obviously has come in. He's come out and said now that they need they need reinforcements, they need defenders. Um, there's there's a lot going on at board level. This dar- The scenes at the derby now, they don't really help. Um, obviously there was a public bust up, uh, reportedly between, um, Brandstrom and Jimmy Durmas. Um, apparently there's accusations that Durmas had been trying to get the manager out of his job 
Uh, and then the manager confronted him in front of the whole squad and said, like, if you've got something to say, say it to my face. So apparently there was a big sort of meeting where they both sort of cleared the air and had a chat. Durham has actually started the game against uh, against Urgard. And so maybe that was a bit of a, um, you know, go out there and prove me wrong type thing to from Brandstrom. Maybe maybe a bit of smart man in my management, really, sort of like a, you know, if you're going to call me out, then let's see what you can do. Um, I thought that was pretty intelligent, but, you know, it's not paid off, of course. Um, they're in massive, they're in massive trouble. Uh, as I said, Boss Anderson, is, the Jurgen Sporting Director, said this is the biggest scandal I've seen in, in Swedish football. Uh, that's only going to add to it in terms of what's happened and what the behaviour of the ARK fans. So, you know, on the pitch, off the pitch, with the manager, with the sporting director, with the club recruitment, now with the fans, like every single element of ARK seems to be sort of um, up in flames at the moment. Um, and it is really worrying times for them, yeah. I'm just looking at their fixture list. Four of their next six games, they've got Kalmar, Elfsborg, Hecken, and Malmo. I mean, there's a very, very good chance that at the halfway stage of the season, they'll still be in the relegation zone. I know they have gone down before. I think it was like 2009. So it's not completely unheard of for, for IE Corps. But they're, they're in a firefighting mission already this season. Um, yeah, I will ask the question, could they go down? We were here two or three years ago in the COVID season, I think, when they had a really bad season. They sacked Rickard Norling and everything kind of um, cleaned itself up and they, they ended up, I think, lower mid-table. I've got a feeling a similar thing will happen. I, I, think, that's, I think they're too good to go down. Uh, we should really talk about your garden a little bit as well. I mean, they've, um, as you mentioned, in terms of uh, your friend asking for a, for a prediction, they've only uh, won victory against ARK since 2012. So this was a massive um, result for them to get a, to get another win. Um, Aik has beaten them fourteen times, uh, I think, and seven draws, and one win for Hillgard. And so they've they've balanced the scales a little bit there with the second win, uh, and that that kind of shows where Aik are really. Even even the things they take for granted, such as beating Hillgard, they they can't do anymore. Hillgard um, have had a good week or so uh three wins obviously the beat hacking as well so that they are they are sort of starting to get a little bit of stability i think but yeah i, I don't think ARK will go down i mean if you look at it they're one win away from being out of it you've got ef core down there you've got Viberg down there you've got sort of degger fours down there serious but they are going to have to buckle up their ideas soon because if you look at it steve there's six points behind varnamo six points behind mialbi then nine points behind halmstad they're 10 points behind Bromba Poikina. These are teams that you'd expect them to sort of finish above. So they're, they're running out of teams that, that they can actually chase and catch, if you know what I mean. They're already five points behind um, Degafors in 12th. I know they've got a game in hand, but the point I'm making here is that they, they're playing catch-up. Um, you know, EF Core even, I wouldn't expect them to go down. So you'd think they therefore might turn a little bit. So they're running out of teams to catch, really. They need to start bucking out their ideas because otherwise it could get to a point where um, it's almost too late for them. But no, I don't think they'll go down. Yeah, very good answer there, I must say. Uh, we'll stick, actually, with um, with Stockholm. Um, Vicky has asked a question at Borough Vicky. Do you think Marty Sifuentes will get sacked soon? And this is in response to Hammerby's fairly poor form as well. They've just lost 2-0 at home to Varnamo. I actually watched his interview after the game on the Discovery Plus on the, on the Twitter there, and um, he seemed quite calm and reserved. I thought he spoke well. Seemed in a, in a good phase, but um, nevertheless, when when you only got twelve points from eleven games as Hammerby have, you know there's going to be 
questions asked. So, I mean, briefly, what are your thoughts on, on Hammerby's season and, and Marty Sifuentes? Yeah, well, the first thing to note is that he might have seen relaxed, but I don't think the fans were too... I don't think the players were too relaxed because they had to wait and weren't allowed out of the stadium after this game. There was reports of 60 fans waiting outside for them, <laughs> outside the stadium, where the players usually uh, exit the stadium. So, I mean, um, the security staff would not let the players out um, because of those fans waiting for them. Now, I'm not saying that they were going to do anything sinister, but, I mean, they definitely weren't going to be well, shaking their hands and saying thanks for a good game. Uh, so, yeah, the players had to delay their plans to get home. Nahir Basara came out and said, we can understand the point of view of the fans. Um, you know, there was talk about, I think, the one of the security guys is on record as saying he wasn't sure where the players would exit the stadium. They were thinking of maybe getting a, a, a secret getaway. Maybe there's a, a basement they can crawl out of or something like that. But um, yeah, it um, <clears throat> got a little bit heated. Basara said that they had a chat with some of the fans after the game when they were finally allowed out. Um, and he said, it, you know, it's disappointing from all sides. Obviously, they lost at home to Varnamo, who Varnamo becoming a little bit of a bugbear for, for Hammond. I'm pretty sure they... Uh, don't quote me on this, but I think they beat, did they beat them home and away last season? I'll have to double check. Um, but yeah, um, it's not been a good season for Hammerby so far. I thought that they were the better team last week. Obviously, we didn't have a show last week, but I thought when they played the Core away, I thought they were the better team until they, they got a um, the red card, obviously, and then a late, late penalty cost them that win. They've had a lot of injury problems. I think some of their better players have been injured, but, but they just don't have that blend yet. Um, and of course, in the last double game week that they had. They had two red cards for two of their best defenders. So um, even when they're sort of just about turning their form around, they've, they've sort of, you know, Jukanovic was doing quite well, then he got injured. Um, there was one game, I think recent game, where they had two or three injuries in the same match. So they're just, they're just not really, the season's just not getting up and running really. Um, that was the game, I think, again, I can't remember who it was against, but anyway, um, I think it might've been against Jurgen where they had quite a few injuries. Um, in that 4-3 win. Um, then they drew at Degafors, of course. They had, they had another red card to deal with, came back and, you know, they did okay. But Montana Majer got a, a goal equaliser when they were 2-1 down. But, yeah, just an up-and-down start to the season. In terms of the answer to the question, I, th I do think Sifuentes is quite well-liked, actually. I think he's quite well-rated by the management at Hammerby. So I'd be very surprised if they were to pull the trigger without um, more evidence to suggest that he can't turn things around. I think he will probably get the full season unless things really go pear-shaped. It's a new team at Hammerby this season, and I think that's that's a mitigating factor. I don't think they were expected to to really challenge, but you know, when fans are sort of waiting for the team outside the stadium, it's never a good sign, is it? No, it's not a good sign. And you're right, by the way. Varnamo did beat them twice last year. He, Sifuentes did say in that interview after the game, how he finds Varnamo's style and approach really difficult to deal with. Something about how they how they set themselves up just doesn't suit, you know, the, the Hammerby players. Uh, I watched some of the second half, actually, and they just didn't create many big chances, Hammerby. They, they struggled against a well well organised and disciplined team. Varnamo, one of those awkward sides, aren't they, who can frustrate you. Uh, good defensive record. Yeah, probably just lack of goals that does cost them. But um, they're worrying times for, for some big clubs in that bottom half of the table, you know. Right now, I must say, in, in Al-Svenskan, it's a bit of an unusual look. And we're going to finish the show talking about the Gothenburg Derby, uh, another team down there, of course, AF Core, 
I'll, I've got a couple of comments. I'll I'll mention about this game a bit later as well. But um, four win for Hecken. Um, again, a sign of the times, really. What it's been like, Brand Rosenborg, isn't it? I was talking earlier. I mean, EF Core obviously were the big dogs in this city for several years. At the moment, it's Hecken, and and they're showing why why right now. Yeah, and a few interesting tidbits here before we get going uh, from a well recruitment point of view. Um, it's been reported that Ajax were at the game tonight. Reportedly, with eyes on Benny Traore, maybe, and also uh, Amand Romeo. Both of them had good games uh, in a 4 1 win for Beko Hacken. Obviously, Gothenburg is fresh in my mind, Steve. It was uh, not, not even a month ago yet that I was in that fine stadium watching both teams. Um, well, watching Hacken, obviously, and then the, watching EFCO the next day. So, uh, yeah, I did feel a little bit um, tinge of sadness not being there for that match. It, it, it was a heated derby. Uh, they, they, they got a singer in pre-match hacking to do the the sort of hacking anthem, uh, which isn't bad, by the way. Um, maybe not quite as uh, emotional as the EF Core. I can see your scarf there in the background, by the way, Steve. Um, but yeah, I actually um, tweeted something about that song myself. Uh, I did say it's not a patch on uh, Snart Sneaking Poseidon. Well, you but, would say that um, with your scarf. I think you're wearing you're wearing. She said, she did sing it fairly well, though. I must say, I give her some credit. She belted it out. Quite well, well, it's not not a good day for you and and your type because obviously a four one uh, destruction. In fairness to EF Coyotesburg, I thought they started the first half well. Uh, I thought Hacken were really slack. Um, Regard, for example, made an error that led to the first goal. Just gave a needless throw in away. Uh, sorry, led to uh, EF Coyotes equaliser. Um, last Lars on Larson got the first goal for for Hecken. Then um, Gustav Norlin equalised, and you know, half time, I felt that you have quite a decent chance, maybe even though they were massive underdogs for this game. But Hacken, they have that ability to up the tempo, uh, which they did in the second half. Benny Troyer and Regard, especially, were were, were on, on on song. A positive sign for um, Hacken is that Gustafsson, the Gustafsson twins, are back as well. Samuel and Simon um, back from an injury now as well, so I think that's a massive boost for their midfield. They still have injuries. You know, Ibrahim Sadiq's been ruled out for the rest of the, the spring term. Mamadou um, Sonko had to come in and play and he scored, he got an assist, sorry. So I don't actually think Hacken have been amazing in the last few games I've seen when they played Eurogarden away and, and in this game, but they just have that ability to up the tempo when needed. Like you said, they're with Glimpse. Uh, they remind me a little bit of Glimpse in that, in that sense. They can really just bring the intensity when they need to. I still think there are a few weaknesses in Hacken's side that may, they do worry me in terms of winning the league. Um, I think there's a couple of areas that in that team that they need to maybe strengthen or just tighten up a bit. I think there's one or two players that have been a little bit slack, I'd say, um, because they get. I think they get into really good positions, and I think they should be doing maybe slightly better actually than they are this season. I think they've been quite wasteful at times in the final third, which sounds ridiculous considering they've won four-one, but um, they're just too strong for EF Core at the moment. EF Core can't handle them. EF Core are quite an old team, too weak in that sense and just didn't have the physicality to be able to, to maintain the intensity for 90 minutes. Yeah, I watched this game, and I think you've given it a very good assessment there, actually. I think EF Core got sucked into trying to play football with, with Heck, and they just can't do that. They can't go toe-to-toe with them. But they did miss a trick in the first half. I thought EF Core should have led at half-time. They had enough chances. Um, I was actually quite impressed with the goalkeeper for Hecken, Peter Abrahamson. Honestly, I've never noticed this guy before. There's been anything special or remarkable, but I thought he had a tremendous game. He made a couple of key saves at crucial points. Um, he quite impressed me. And then the second half, it was it was very Buddha Glimpse esque. Like you say, it was wave after wave of like counter attack. 
EF core were, were caught out with some poor positioning. I think they just did sort of what my own team, Leeds United, do this year. They just try and they, they leave themselves far too open when they were chasing the game. Um, but I mean, heck and a ruthless. They just they just want to rack up the score even more. I mean, they're going for more goals even when they should be looking for just control of the football game. They just want to score as many as they can. And um, they're a heck of an attacking unit, I must say. Disappointing for, for, for EF Core. Um, uh, I mean, they're in trouble. I mean, they're down there in well, the third bottom of the table, one win. I mean, if they keep defending like this, I, I think they're in massive, massive trouble because they, at times it was a disgraceful defensive performance, as good as Hecken are going forward. I mean, this, it's not good enough at the back. Um, is that a question? Yeah, I mean, what what are your thoughts on the EF Core structure and defence, Jonathan? Because it's just not there. I think, well, they've got injuries, but not that many injuries. Gustav Svensson missed the game. Um, Linus Karlstrand came in. It's quite funny that he said he wanted revenge and that he found he found last season unbearable. Uh, and then he got, gets in the team and uh, is part of an, uh, another sort of beating. The biggest worry for you, of course, this isn't this result wasn't even a surprise. I think a four-one win was kind of normal, and that is a massive worry. I think for the club and the the organisation as a whole that they're they're almost now they're almost borderline accepting that they're the second best team in Gothenburg. I mean, they that is a that is a in ten years ago, five years ago, that would have been a, like a disgrace. Now it's now it's almost like expected, and I think that's that is quite a worrying trend for you. Quite, I feel like there's almost an air of Leicester City about them in the sense of like maybe almost just complacent, like feeling that we're still a big club. It's fine. We can lose that game. That's fine. We can lose that game. That's fine. I oh, can get one point here. That's, that's okay. I just, you know, like there's no, I don't feel like any, any, any real urgency about the club at the moment. Um, you know, there's question marks about the goalkeeper. He made a howler against Hammerby. Um, and, you know, Pontus Darbo's come back. Warner Hahn last season. Some fans I saw on Twitter saying, why did we swap these two keepers? I thought Hahn was brilliant last season. They just kind of let him go. So there are some strange decisions going on. They're really going to need some good recruitment in the summer. But then again, that the feeling I got in Gothenburg was that maybe they just kind of accept that they don't have the finances available. But this is one of the biggest teams in the league. So at a certain point, if you just have an air of like, well, it doesn't really matter, it could catch up to you. And I, I don't think they're going to get relegated. But they have a striker who's clearly too old now. Um with all due respect to Marcus Berger, it wouldn't surprise me if he retires at the end of the season in terms of just not physical enough to deal with like a 90 minute games. I think they have a decent midfield. I think they have got some quite good midfielders in there that I like. Um, I like Carl and I think Hagen's done okay. They've got two decent fullbacks, but again, they're aging. Um, centre-backs are all right. I quite like Banksford, but I just, there's a, a bit of a weakness to them, I think. There's just a bit of fragility. They're, they're not a team you can hang your hat on um, and as I say, I thought in the Hammerby game, I thought they were quite lucky in that game, even though they were at home. I thought Hammerby uh, outplayed them in, at times in that match and sh- maybe should have wrapped it up. Um, and then obviously they just got suckered with the penalty, but they don't play in phases well enough, of course, for me. It's always there's always at least 20 minutes or so where um, they don't go to sleep, but they just don't have that intensity for the full 90 minutes. And I think even though the joint managers are doing a decent job, I think, you know, they got them playing okay. I actually thought they were quite good for 45 minutes. Like you say, I totally agree. Uh, if it wasn't for the goalkeeper, they would have been maybe two or three nil down, two or three one down by half time. So it's small margins, I think, but I still feel like that's part of the problem. It's almost like 
well, we, you know, we nearly scored three, so things are fine. Um, and there's just not that. Uh, I don't think there's anyone staying after the game. I don't think there's 60 fans staying after the game to sort of ask questions, if you know what I mean, like the Hammerby fans. Um, and they're doing much worse than Hammerby. So it's going to be an interesting summer for them. Let's put it that way. I think there's a, there's some work to be done there because one win in 10, Steve, it's not good enough. Yeah, they didn't. They certainly didn't lack for passion and they fought hard and they and they on another day they could have scored two or three goals for sure. Um but you know the the, the manager situation it was quite clear that Hecken's experience title winning manager did a job on them in the second half really I think. Um as you might expect really. Hogmo's a very good coach isn't he? So Yeah. Yeah. I have to say, have to say by the way uh the transformation he's done at Hacken is unbelievable. Like the I think we almost take for granted how good they are now. That how much he's turned them in one season, like they just, you know, like I said, I think they are a bit wasteful at times. I still, I still have question marks. Is Benetore actually a natural centre forward? I'm not sure. I think, I think, I think Jurgen did a number on them with Danielson and Lofgren, for example, uh, in both games actually. Even though they won, even though they lost that one four one that I went to, I still think they miss Yermiev a little bit in terms of that physicality up front, and I think that might come back and haunt Hacken. But the job he's done there the way they play football and just the way that it's like this. So doesn't matter if it's Sadiq, it doesn't matter if it's Gustafsson, it doesn't matter if it's Aman Romeo, it doesn't matter if it's Pontus Darbo came on and scored the youngster, you know, they just got, they've just got ability in all areas of the pitch and score goals from anywhere. I mean, and it is glimtesque. Uh, I'd like to see them challenge this season and try and win the league, but I, I still think there's a little bit of fragility, but we have to do- doff the cap to, um, because he's done a remarkable job there, really. I don't I don't even think people are really realising just how good this hacking team is, actually. You're probably right about that one. I mean, if there is an issue, it is at the moment away from home against sides that actually can defend, like your Halmstads of this world and your guy, and obviously do have good defenders. So that, but at home, I, I would back them against anyone. I really would. I think they're capable of actually crushing crushing sides at this at this home venue on their own artificial surface. They absolutely uh, rinse teams completely. AF Core, by the way, they do have a favourable run of games coming up quite soon. So unlike IE Core, I could actually see them get out of trouble by the midway point of the season. But look, fixtures are not won on paper, are they? So they've still got to start performing and getting the results on the field. But they do have what would appear to be softer games uh, a massive four or five games coming up for them um, ahead of the uh, you know the, the summer break. So uh, just before we finish, just one question I want to ask you here, and it was from Showtime Barisha. It's, we got, I, I meant to ask you it during the Hugo Larson section, but uh, he said, "Who do you think will be the next starlet to make the jump?" Um, well, I'm going to answer that first, and uh, it might be an idea for people to uh, to have a look at that ten to watch section. Uh, we did on Patreon early in the year, but um, is there someone you might want to put a name out there uh, as a bit of a teaser, Jonathan? I'm going to give the same answer you did. Patreon.com slash Nordic Football Podcast if you want to know the to that. Um, simple as that, really. So I very much echo your sentiments. I'm going to hit you with a counter question, Steve. Can oh, you no. tell me the previous Allsvenskan transfer record holder? Zlatan? Nope. Can you give me a year that the that this transfer? <laughs> I'll give record. you the answer because we're running out of time on this show. But uh, yeah, <laughs> Alexander Isak, 
is the oh, of course about 95 million i think sek uh so hugo larson's actually smashed it and i've got to give tribute to hugo larson because i did say on that patreon show that he had commented publicly that he wants to break the offense gang transfer record and lo and behold steve two months later he has done it so fair play to hugo larson um in terms of replacements i don't think it should be lost um on anyone that ajax were at the the gothenburg derby this evening I think that pretty much sums it up. So take take your pick from uh, that game. There you go. Take a look at who's involved in that game. And there was some great talent on show, some young goal scorers as well. Uh, and that'll do. One of them might be in the tent to watch. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that, that'll do for this show then. I think we're, we're done for the week. Um, it's always a pleasure, Jonathan. And um, we, we, I thought there was some really good discussion in there, actually, I must say. Some really in-depth stuff, especially on the Swedish section. Um, always good discussing with you. Likewise, my friend. And we shall be back soon. Um, and, yeah, I mean, we're getting, we're getting to the summer break, so there's only a few weeks left now. And then, unfortunately, we're a month's break in Sweden. But uh, we'll continue to bring you as much content as possible on the Nordic Football Podcast. So stay tuned. Keep an eye on YouTube. Don't forget our Twitter at NordicFootPod. You can find me at JFFootball, J-F-F-U-T-B-O-L, and Steve at MeatmanSoccer, as always. And you can find us on Patreon.com slash NordicFootballPodcast if you want to support us. Did put up a weekend preview. It was quite late this week, but did get one of the two selections correct. Um, But, yeah, keep an eye on that as well if you just want to support us as well. So, yeah, thanks a lot, Steve. Good to see you as always. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks to all the listeners. Take care of yourself and we'll see you again soon. Goodbye.